You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. We're in the house of the Lord. Glad to have all of our guests, all of our friends, visitors here with us tonight. This is Trevor. Great to see you. I met Megan and Sierra. Is that right? And your beautiful baby, four months old. Give them a great big welcome. Glad to have them here at CTK tonight. Amen. And this is midweek Bible study, but right now during the month of, uh, during our summer, we're just having church here, I guess if you could say that. And so I've been preaching a series on transformational behaviors, and we're going to continue that tonight. And I want to take you to uh, two passages of Scripture. If you'll stand together with me for the reading of the Word, we're going to go to 1 Kings chapter number 18, and then we're going to go to Ephesians chapter number 3. And uh, I want the Lord to help us tonight. I uh, have just, uh, I've felt impressed with the Holy Ghost several weeks back, maybe even a couple months ago, to, to speak on this, what I'm going to talk about tonight. And, uh, but I've warred in my spirit, I guess would be the way you would call it. I've warred in my spirit a little bit about talking to you on this tonight, but I know that, that, that this is something that we need to hear. So I don't know who's here tonight that needs to hear this. Maybe it's just for me. Maybe it's for somebody that's going to tune in online, either now, presently, at home, or, or afterwards. But I want to preach to you uh, tonight for just a little bit. How many help me preach for a little bit? Let's go to 1 Kings chapter number 18. I'll read one verse of scripture. You're probably not, if you've been around church for a while in the word, you're probably not, uh, this is probably not the first time you've heard it. But you remember the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal, where they had this standoff and he says, you call uh, your God, and if your God brings fire down on the sacrifice, then we'll let him be God. And I'll call to Jehovah, and if he rains fire down, then he's God. And they had this standoff, and of course you know the story. They did everything they could, the prophets of Baal, nothing happens. And Elijah prays a prayer, among other things, and he prays a prayer, and God answers by fire. And immediately after this, Elijah speaks to the king in verse 31, and it says, And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance. Somebody say abundance. abundance. There is a sound of abundance of rain. Now, the irony was that there was no rain. It was a famine. Uh, there, it was a drought. The, the irony is that no one else could see rain. No one else could, let alone not only see it, could hear it. And yet Elijah says there is a sound of abundance of rain. So let's go to Ephesians chapter number three. And this, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he's talking about Christ. He's talking about the unsearchable riches of Christ and all the wonderful things. And then he comes down and two verses of Scripture in verse 20 and 21, and he declares, he makes this declaration. Now 
unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages. Somebody say that's now. <laughs> World without end. Amen. So Paul gives us a word. He says, let God get glory. Amen. Throughout all ages, world without end. And he makes a statement. He says, unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Paul says, if you can think it, God can do it. And he can do more than what you can even think. That if you can ask it, God can do it. But he can do more than you will even ask. Amen. I want to preach to us for just a few moments tonight. And I got my timer going so I don't uh, uh, keep you here too long. Uh, The revelation of God's abundance. The revelation of God's abundance. And when you get the revelation of God's abundance, this is a transformational behavior. Turn around to somebody and tell them it'll change your life. Amen, 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 amen. Lord, help us tonight. Thank you for the honor to be in your house. Thank you for the privilege to be in your presence. Thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for minds to think and ears to hear. And I pray that your anointing would be upon us tonight, God, as we come to receive from you. Let our lives be changed and encouraged tonight in the Holy Ghost. And somebody said in Jesus' name, amen. Clap your hands unto the Lord tonight. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated tonight. Amen. The first of this sermon series, I guess, if you would call it that, we spoke a few uh, weeks back on the power of a blessing tongue. And that is a transformational behavior. Last week, we spoke on the power of a yes spirit, getting a yes in your spirit, not living contrary and being contrary. And we talked about what that that word meant, Uh, but getting a yes in your spirit. And tonight, I want to talk to you about the revelation of God's abundance, getting the revelation of of God's abundance in your life. We cannot talk about an aspect of God uh, without looking at God himself, who he is. Because what we think about God is what determines our theologies about what God is able to do. And God is able to do, as Paul said, exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. So whatever you have need of here tonight, God is able to do that. Whatever the situation is in your life, whatever the problem, the circumstance in your life that you carried in here, that you walked in here with tonight, whatever bondage, whatever baggage, whatever hangups, God is able to fix. God is able to work. Whatever calling and purpose and passion that you have in your life, God is able to see it through. And in fact, he's more than able. He's willing. 
He's ready. And sometimes the problem is not, uh, uh, we, we know it's not God's inability, and we know it's not God's willingness. There is, there is a reality about something called timing, that the timing needs to be right. Sometimes God waits for right timing in your life, and uh, he, He's working things for our good. Even when we don't see it, how many know that's true? He's working. We, we may not feel it, but God is working when your life is submitted and surrendered to Him. So I understand there is timing issues at, at, at certain circumstances, but most of the time, it is not God's lack. It is, I should say, never God's lack, and it is not God's delay, but it is an issue of our thinking. It's an issue of our perception. So let's just begin, if we can tonight, with one fact about God. Now, about six years ago, I think it was, we did a series here on Wednesday nights. I think it was eight weeks, seven weeks, something like that. And it was called the Absolute Series. And we just looked at the eight unique attributes of God. It was, uh, we started the church podcast with that series because I, I, I wanted, to, I wanted to, to, to make that a resource that somebody could refer back to. It's not my study. It was a study that Brother Clifford Readout did, and he gave me permission to share and to teach. And so I, I took that and presented that. But it, that study alone changed my life. And I want to share just one little aspect of that before we go to what we're talking about today. The second point in this, the absolute series was the point that God is absolutely immutable. And now, before I uh, have you turn your brains off because it's been a long day and you think the pastor is going to get real technical tonight and this is going to get boring and wow, I'm glad he's not going to preach long and all of that stuff. I just want to ask you to stay with me for a moment because I very much want to bring this down to where the rubber meets the road to where we're living at. But when you're talking about the eight unique attributes of God, you're talking about things like number one, God is at absolute. God is eternal. God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. Those kinds of things. And one of the attributes was God is immutable, which means he never changes. He's immutable. He does not change. Now, we usually think of that in the sense that God doesn't change his mind, but that's not what the Bible says. It does say that, but it does not say that only he does not change his mind. It says he does not change. He's absolutely immutable. What he has been, he is, and what he is, he will always be. That is the bedrock of revelation in the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament teaching us about God. So let's think about that for a moment. We'll look at some scriptures here, but let's think about that. God never changes. What that means is he does not degenerate. Amen. You and I change. Yeah. Right? Some of us, we change. 
Uh, Luca is with my parents this week in Indiana, and they hadn't seen him in a few weeks, and so my sister was driving through town Monday, and on a whim, uh, we just thought, this is real convenient, and we just threw him in the car and let her take him. <laughs> take him back to Indianapolis. And when, when they saw him, they couldn't get over how much he has grown since last time they saw him. I probably, when I pick him up either tomorrow or Friday or next month, I probably also, <laughs> just joking, just joking, we're getting him tomorrow. But I probably also will be amazed at how much he changed in the last four days. Now he's five years old, you expect change. You don't expect change when you're 40 or 45 or 50, but the reality is, is that sometimes four days can make a big difference. <laughs> we change. We're changing. Things happen. And, and, and what we know is that we degenerate. Think about this. Of, of all there is in, in entirety of existence, only God is beyond the scope of the law of entropy, the second law of thermodynamics, which means he, he's not going to degenerate. He is not going to ever uh, uh, run out of energy. He's never going to change. But the first law of thermodynamics expresses that the amount of energy in the universe all Always remains the same, meaning that the, 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 the components of energy are always present. But the second law of thermodynamics tells us that uh, energy is available for doing work, but once it is used up, it is no longer available. In other words, what thermodynamics teaches us is that creation and the universe is literally winding down. It is been one major observation and breakthrough for scientists to acknowledge that energy, once it is spent, can no longer be spent. If you want to take energy, such as water flowing down a mountain, when that water is flowing down the mountain, there is an energy there. But when the water gets to the bottom of the mountain, the water does not cease to exist, but it ceases to have usable energy. And in order for you to get get use out of that water again. You can renew the energy that the water once had, but it takes more energy to take that water back up to the mountain, and it's a greater amount of energy to renew the energy than when the energy starts flowing again. Does that make sense? Everybody with me? Follow me? So everything in this world is literally winding down. It is degenerating. Our entire existence. That, that, that They see this in the universe. They see this in the motion of stars and the movings of planets and galaxies. That There is a winding down. There is a slowing down. And once that energy gets spent, it is lost. It will be unavailable. Everything decays. We know this in life. We know this because the Word of God tells us this that all things are going to return back from the way that they came, that everything is corrupted except God. God does not change. God 
does not degenerate. God does not wind down. God does not get tired. God does not wear out. Oh, I wish somebody understand what I'm saying here today. I'm thankful that I don't serve a God that's made with man's hands that winds down and wears out. But we serve a God that does not change. Just as he had power to save 2,000 years ago, he's still got power to save today. Just as he had power back then to speak the world into existence, he can still speak new things into existence today. We know this by the word, Malachi 3 and 6, for I I am the Lord. I change not. James 1 and 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Hebrews 13 and 8, Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today, and forever. Psalm 33 and 11, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generation. That means God don't change his mind. God doesn't wear out. God doesn't say, oh, I made a mistake. Oh, I didn't see that coming. No, the counsel of the Lord stands because he knows all, he sees all, and he's perfect in all he does. Psalm 119 and 89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Ecclesiastes 3.14, I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything, I like this, anything taken from it. And God doeth it that men should fear before him. When God set out to say, I'm going to reveal myself to creation, I'm going to redeem, I'm going to save to those that are hungry and hurting. When God sets his mind to do it. I'm talking about a power of revelation. The word says that nothing can stop it and nothing can be taken from it. Oh, hallelujah. Isaiah 40 and 28, hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary, Hallelujah. And this is good. Isaiah 59 and 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened. That he cannot save. And his ear is not heavy. That he cannot hear. His ears don't stop working. His hands don't stop working. He's just the same as he's always been. And look at this in Romans 11 and 29. From this, where, where do we derive this? It's the Word of God. It's the revelation of God's, uh, of who He is. He said, for the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. His self-existence requires no energy. Not only does not God not degenerate, which means he, His batteries don't have to be recharged. But there was nobody that put batteries in God. There was nobody else that charged him. He is the self 
existent one, which means there was no energy that acted upon him to make him. He is all by himself. Hallelujah. And this was the bedrock of revelation that he gave to Moses and the people of God in Egypt before they were taken out. Look at what he said in Exodus 3 and 13 and 15. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said, Moreover unto Moses, Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. I am that I am. Nobody, nobody brought me here. Nobody made me. Nobody created me. I am all by myself. Hallelujah. 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 Whatever God has been, He is. And whatever He is now, He will always be. Hallelujah. That by that definition is why He is God. He's immutable. He alone never changes. All creation decays, but he never changes. God is always absolute. And so God not only has no decay, no degeneration, but his resources are unlimited. He doesn't run out. You and I run out. And we wear down. But God doesn't run out. His resources, what He has for us, is unlimited. I was reading this morning, got up, woke up early this morning, went out, sat outside before the heat kicked in, and realized I was too late at 5.30 a.m. I thought, well, I'm already here, so I might as well read my Bible. And I was reading through it. This morning I found Exodus. I was reading through in Exodus, and I came across the passage where God was giving them manna, and he was telling them that they're going to go out every day, and it was a daily thing. And we know the story. I've talked about it, preached about it. And I was reading through, and it hit me, knowing that I was going to talk about this. It hit me that God tried to establish this with the children of Israel from the very beginning, the revelation of his abundance. He tells them, I am that I am. I, I, I alone am the self-existent one. Nobody is charging me up. Nobody's winding me up. Nobody is, 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 is creating God. He is the only energy in the entire universe. That, that's not propelled by something else, and everything comes from Him. Everything comes from Him. We experience energy today in the universe when the wind blows and all this through creation. All of that is an extension of what God put into place. 
but God's resources are unlimited. So he tells the children of Israel this, and he sends them out. They're supposed to go to the promised land. They don't, they don't go. They, they reject. They, they don't want to go. But on their way there, before they get there, God says, I'm going to make a way. In this journey, I'm going to provide for you food. And every evening, I'm going to provide for you quail to eat, um, which I, I don't know. I haven't eaten a whole lot of quail. I know that old English word puts quail in there. I don't know that it was the exact same kind of quail that we would eat today. I like to think of it as good chicken wings every evening. And in the morning, he said, I'm going to give you manna, which is like a coriander seed that tasted, the Bible says, like wafers made with honey. And they would take that for bread, and they would grind that up, and they would bake that. And whew, it was so good. Bread that tasted like honey. Nobody's going to help me preach tonight. Come on. This thing was better than a Hawaiian roll. Yeah. There they are eating wings and Hawaiian rolls. And I know I'm taking biblical liberty here, but in the wilderness, God tells him every morning, you're going to go out and you're going to pick this up. And here's what he tells him in Exodus 16. He says, every morning you go out, you take enough. You take every, as much as you need, as big as the appetite is in your house. As many people as there are in your house, you take. And he said, when you come in, you're going to eat it. And then he literally says this. Look at Exodus 16 and 19. And Moses said, said, let no man leave of it till the morning. So here's what he's telling them. And the Bible says they took as much as they had. If you had a small family, you would take whatever was in there, and it was going to be enough. If you had a large family, you took as much as you needed, and there was always enough every day. Everybody was filled. But he told them, he said, let no man. This is a commandment that Moses gives to the children of Israel. He says, when you take as much as you want, eat it all. Don't leave it. Because we know our human tendencies. Because we know that in life sometimes we run out. We know in life bad things happen and we come to deficiencies and we may not have enough. And so we would tend to take it and I'm just going to save it and I'm going to hold it back. And Moses gets mad with him the next day because what happens? The Bible says that they saved it because they were hoarding it. They were worried they were going to run out. And the Bible says the next day it turned to worms and it stank. And Moses was mad at them and he said, throw that stuff away, burn it, get it out, and go out because today there's a whole new provision that's God give, that's God, God is giving. And when you take this in, don't leave any leftovers. Yes. Yes. Come on, this is a preaching I can get with. Because tomorrow, there's going to be enough. How do do I put this down? I tell you, don't live beneath your privileges. We don't have to walk into church and say, well, so-and-so is getting a blessing today. So I'm going to let them have theirs, and I'll get in line next week. No, honey, you don't understand. There's enough to go around. God has everything you need, everything I need, and it's here for us. And God says, don't leave any leftovers. Because tomorrow there's going to be a whole new blessing. Tomorrow there's going to be a whole new time. I'm going to take care of you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. I'm preaching about the revelation of an abundance mindset. <laughs> we got to understand that God has everything we need right here. <laughs> have, have, have you ever been over at somebody else's house and they're serving you food and, and it was really good, but you just didn't get enough? And you're looking in the table. And there's another piece left. There's one more steak. There's, you know what I'm talking about? And you're looking around and you're wondering, how's this going to work out? <laughs> Here's a word from the Lord. Don't leave that till tomorrow. <laughs> Blame it on pastor next time. <laughs> But think about that. Isn't that our tendency? We'll step back. No, I'm going to defer. I'm going to let them. I'm going to save. God says, no, you, 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 in this kingdom, you don't keep leftovers. Now, I, 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 I do, uh, I do to go all the time. I mean, I, I take home the, the, the to go box and I, I do leftovers all the time. I know some of you people, I don't, I don't know what the deal is. You know, you don't like leftovers, but man, I, I lived on leftovers. I, it's called a doggy bag when I was a kid. <laughs> I never understood why we always asked for a doggy bag after we were eating to take home the leftovers to the house, but we never had a dog. I never did, I never did figure that out, you know. But literally in God's kingdom, what God is saying is, I don't want there to be any leftovers in my kingdom. You don't have that mentality. So I know we have that in the flesh and we have that in the world, but we can't bring that mentality with us to the things of God because God says, I've got more than you can think. I've got more than you can ask as much as you need here today. The revelation of God's abundance never came in times of plenty. But it always came in times of famine. We go to 2 Kings chapter number 4. And if you turn there in 2 Kings here, we have the story of a, uh, a widow who is going to die. And she has nothing left. And so uh, he, uh, here we are. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter number 4. And I, may, I know I didn't give you those, these verses, but I may read through here in verse 1. And she is in a bind financially. And uh, she needs provision. And the prophet comes by her house. Here she is in debt. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elijah, uh, Elisha rather, saying, Thy servant my husband is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. And the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. They were in debt. And it was a custom of that day that you would take whatever the property or those children to work off that debt before those children would be released. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in thy house? And she said, Thy handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. And then he said, Go, borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels. Borrow not a few. So here we have the prophet telling her, Borrow many vessels. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons. 
and shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. Now, oil was a, a hot commodity. It, it, it was like gas today. It was worth a lot. You have enough of it, you're going to make some money. And so this meant something in verse 5. So she went in from him, shut the door upon her and upon her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. They went out. They found vessels. They gathered all that they had in their house, and they went and borrowed them of other people, their neighbors and family. And, and uh, she poured out the oil into it. And as she poured out that oil, there was a miracle that began to take place. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Here's the miracle of the oil. She needed help. She needed provision. And the prophet says, go out and get many vessels. And you pour it out. She begins to pour it out. And as she pours out from that original pot... The Bible says that God multiplied it, and she just kept pouring. As she would pour, it wouldn't go down. And she would pour into another one, and it wouldn't go down. Could you imagine with me the moment that she's experiencing right here? She couldn't believe her eyes. I, I, I have to say, there had to be an amazement. Wow, as I'm pouring out, and yet it never goes down. Into every vessel that they collected, until finally she filled all the ones before her. And she says, bring me another vessel. And they said, there are no more vessels. And, and the Bible says that at that point, the oil stopped. The point was this, that the miracle was not limited by God and his resource. The miracle was limited, amen, by what they brought to the table. Amen. That ought to teach me something, that as long as I am open as many vessels as there are, as many opportunities as we give to God, he's going to work. Amen. You want big church? You got to have a lot of empty vessels. You got to have a lot of people that God can pour out. But if you don't want it, that's all right. God will feel what you have. But the revival will only grow. The miracle will only grow. The abundance is never limited to God. It's always limited to us. I pray God give me an abundant mind. Set. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't ever let me look at someone and think they're beyond the grace of God. Amen. Because if I think that, amen, I'm never going to bring them, amen, to receive what God has. But as many as you can think, as many as you can reach, as many as you can pull on, God can fill them. God can bless them. God can save them. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. An abundant mindset. Abundance is possessing more than what you are looking for. Look at what happens in the book of Acts chapter number 3. We see the, pro, the, the, the apostles here in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, and they're going to the temple to pray. And uh, now Peter and John, verse three, uh, verse 1 of chapter 3 of the book of Acts, Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called... Uh, uh, 
beautiful to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. So here's a man that is laying. He's, he's left to beg his life. He's brought to the gate, and there he is begging for alms. I know you're going to worship. People would not go into the temple empty-pocketed. They would go with offerings. They would go with money to purchase uh, sacrifices. Uh, they, they were coming ready to give. It was a high traffic area. It was a perfect place for people to stand there and say, hey, if you have anything left over. They caught them on the way going in. They caught them on the way going out. Can you help me? Can you give something to me? And as they're walking up in, in uh, 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 here it says here, verse 3, who's seen Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask an alm. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. And then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength and he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple walking and leaping and praising God. This is what I'm talking about a revelation of God's abundance. Here's a man that is just asking for alms and Peter said oh no you're not asking for enough. You're not asking for enough. I'm here to tell somebody tonight, you may have come praying, God, I need physical healing. You may have come praying, God, I need a financial miracle. You may have come asking for one thing, but I'm here to tell you that God is bigger than that. You're not asking for enough because what God wants to do is he wants to make you whole. He wants to fill the void in your heart, the longing in your spirit. He wants to give you a peace that passes understanding and a joy that's unspeakable. He's not concerned with your bank account, and he's not concerned with other things, but he is concerned with you. Hallelujah. I believe, amen, that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above what we can ask or think. Somebody say praise the Lord. Abundance is possessing more than what you are looking for. I know what I'm looking for in this life. I know that the physical that we have to go day to day, we have to get up, we have to go to our jobs, we have to do certain things. Amen. But really, at the end of the day, what we're looking for is not just a bigger bank account, not just all the bills paid. We're looking for purpose in life. We're looking for meaning to life. We're looking for something in, in this life. Abundance is understanding that that's exactly what God has. And I'm coming to a close that they'll come to the music. We see another one. Last week, I preached about the anointing of the armor bearer. And I preached out of 1 Samuel, I preached about getting a yes in your spirit. Everybody remember that? The armor bearer, yes. He says, yes. Jonathan said, let's go fight the Philistines. And he goes, let's do it. He didn't say, that's crazy. He said, let's do it. There was a yes in his spirit. He was quick to be yes. He wasn't contrary. He wasn't always fighting. He believed in it. The thing that inspired the armor bearer was, in fact, Jonathan, the son of Saul. 
who said to him, it may be that the Lord will work for us. 1 Samuel chapter 14 and verse 6. And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. And then he gives his declaration of the revelation of God's abundance. He said, For there is no restraint to the Lord. Amen to save by many or by few. God's an abundant God. When the enemy's hiding, he can take a young lad with a slingshot, bring down a giant. God's the God that's abundant, not us. So it was the power or the revelation, rather, of God's abundance that would inspire Jonathan to be the one to stand up and say, come on, let's go. If you, the, ma- the amazing thing in this story is so often we want absolute certainty. Anybody want absolute certainty? I want to, man, I'm not a risk taker at all. <laughs> I mean, I want absolute certainty about things. Absolute certainty. Jonathan had no word from God because he literally said, put that verse back up there. He literally said, it may be that the Lord will work for us. Now, I'm not just advocating people go jump off cliffs all the time. But this is a little bit what Jonathan does. He steps out on the limb, so to speak, with no safety net, no harness, no promise. But what he did have was a revelation of God's abundance. I know it's me and you, Armour Bear. I know this this is an uneven battle all the way around. But God can do it. So it's crazy and it's insane and it's absurd. Can I tell you, that's the greatest stories in the the Pentecost. It's the stories of missionaries, Brother Blake, that step out and go into nations that are closed in places and say, I, I just feel God's calling me. I don't know why. People that sold everything and gave it and took up stakes literally and went and, 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 and lived their life and they just walked in there because they had, they, they, they had a dream and a desire and a plan. Sometimes they had a word for God and sometimes it was just a calling that God needs to reach these people and so I'm going. And there was a revelation of God abundance. I wonder what would happen. I know sometimes we've got to be certain we want a word from God, but sometimes we use the requirement of a word for God as a crutch for why we're not doing something. Right. Right. That's why I'm talking about it being a transformational behavior, because if you get the revelation of God's abundance, He don't have to tell you to do everything. You just know God's got this. Because I know the heartbeat of God. You know what we need in this day right now? We need, we need more Jonathan spirits. We need Jonathans to stand up and say, I don't know if this is the right time to worship or not, or the right time to pray or not. I don't know if this is the right season to start a Bible study or not. I don't know if this is the right time to knock on that person's door and invite them to church. I don't know if it's the right time to talk to that person that I see hurting, but what I do know is that God has everything they need. 
What I do know is He's worthy of praise. What I do know, we need people that aren't afraid that'll say, hey, I know everybody else is hiding right now, but come on, you want to go worship? You want to go pray? You want? We need an anointing of Jonathan's. Hallelujah in this day. That's going to come when you get a revelation of God's abundance. And finally, I leave you with the story of Elisha who comes, the prophet, Elijah, the prophet. Here we read it in 1 Kings chapter number 18. He comes and he says to Ahab, who's an ungodly king of Israel, after he defeats the prophets of Baal and they have this big standoff in the 18th chapter. And in verse 41, Elijah comes to Ahab and he says, get Get up, eat, drink, for I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I thought, man, this is really odd. <laughs> There's no rain. How can you hear something that's not happening? I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. That was a pretty bold, brash statement for Elijah to make to Ahab, unless you're reading the whole story. And you backtrack with me if you go back to 1 Kings chapter number 18 and verse number 1. Let's go back to verse number 1 in the first chapter. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. So here's Elijah, and God speaks to Elijah, saying, Go, show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Now, leave that verse up there. In the context prior, Elijah, God told Elijah, Elijah, I'm telling you, it's not going to rain, and it's not going to rain until I tell you it's going to rain, and I want you to go tell the king that. And so Elijah goes to Ahab, and he says, Ahab, it's not going to rain except according to my word. So here he goes years later, and he's coming to him now. God told Elijah, it's going to rain. And so Elijah goes to Ahab. What did God say? Show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. It's in the middle of a famine, Sister Dawn. It's in the middle of a drought. It's one of the most absurd times. And he doesn't go to Ahab and say, Ahab, God woke me up this morning. God spoke to me and told me that he's sending rain. He says, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. See, Ahab had a revelation. He had a revelation of God's abundance. And he had a relationship with God. Not only did he speak to God, but God spoke to him. When God spoke to him, whew, God says it's going to rain. It's in the middle of a drought. But Elijah is so connected that he can envision it. I see it, God. I see it. There's rain. God said it's going to rain. We're in a drought. It's been years. There's no rain. But God, I see it. And it so encompassed him that all of the sudden his other senses are alerted to it. God said it was going to happen. 
Not only do I see it, God, I can close my eyes. I hear it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Nahab's looking around. It's not a cloud in the sky. The prophet's servant is looking around saying, Elijah, I, I, I don't distrust you. I'm just saying, I don't see it. He goes up on the mountain. He says, I want you to go out there. I want you to tell me if you see a cloud, come back. I don't see anything. I want you to go back out there. Look and see if you see a cloud. Uh, he comes back. I don't see it. And here, the whole time, the servant can't see it. Elijah's saying, I hear it. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. You ever been in the middle of the desert and all of a sudden the rain starts falling? You can hear it. You hear it on, you can hear it coming. You can hear it as it sweeps through the canyons. You can hear it as it pings off the rocks and runs down the cactus. You can hear it. Here they are in the middle of that place. And Elijah's saying, I hear it. Go back out there. I don't see it. Seven times he goes back out there. And finally on the seventh time he came back and he said, well, well, Elijah, now I did see something. It was a cloud about the size of a man's hand. And all of a sudden, <laughs> Elijah starts doing a dance. It's just a cloud the size of a man's hand. But when you have the revelation of abundance and you have a relationship with God, you can see it. You can feel it. You can smell it. You can taste it because God said it. This is what I'm praying for. I'm praying for our personal relationships to be so true and so deep that when God speaks, amen, we know it's coming to pass. That no matter what happens in this world, that's why we shouldn't pay less attention to what the news says and more attention to what the Word says. Because it doesn't matter what happens out there. What happens in here has been forever settled in heaven. I know it's not the right time. I know it may not be economically advantageous, but if God says there's going to be revival, there's going to be revival. If God says the church is going to go forward, the church is going to go forward. If God says he's going to sustain you and me, he's going to sustain you and me. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, can you stand together with your heaven all across this place. Come on, what do you have need of? I'm here to preach to you today that God's got it above what you can ask or think. Oh, somebody respond. I feel the Holy Ghost in the house today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, somebody in here today. Hallelujah, you came in. You need something tonight. The Holy Ghost is here for you tonight. And God's got more than what you are looking for. Come on, some of you, you need a blessing. I know it's Wednesday night. I know we're supposed to save this for Sunday. Hallelujah, but I'm here to tell you that tonight is the night. Don't leave it on the table. God doesn't want any leftovers. He's here for you right now. Come on, there's a promise. There's a blessing here tonight. Come on, it'd be all right if the Holy Ghost just took his, took his authority in here tonight. And our heart had his way. Come on, you can get the Holy Ghost in this house tonight. 
Come on, God can heal somebody here tonight, right now. Hallelujah. The anointing of God is in this place. There's deliverance in this house. There's victory in this house. There's truth in this place tonight. Hallelujah. Come on, as we worship and sing tonight. Come on, let the Holy Ghost touch you tonight. Come on, somebody reach over. Come on, you've got enough anointing in you. Reach over, find somebody around you. Come on, begin to pray with them. Bind together with one another.